0: Mark chapter 14, verse 1. Um, I wasn't sure what to title this message. It could have gone a thousand different ways. And you'll hear it in just a moment. But when I got down to it, I entitled it, Unlikely. That there are some unlikely places with some unlikely people where Jesus comes in and he makes a difference. Amen? So get ready. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. If you have not shared the uh, service on Facebook, please go share the service. It's going to be an incredible, incredible time for the rest of the service. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth. This is all the religious leadership of Jerusalem and of the Jewish faith. They were seeking how to arrest. Jesus, him is Jesus, by stealth and kill him. They didn't want to just arrest him, they wanted to kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. You see, what was popular with the people wasn't popular with the religious leadership. Amen. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, that was for free. It's not in my notes. He was reclining at a table. Everybody say he was reclining. What was his posture? He was reclining. And a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. It's very costly, Mark says. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment, it could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. That's basically about a year's wages and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, "Leave her alone." Say that this morning. Say, "Leave her alone." Mm. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. I'm going to say that one more time. She did what she could. i want to say that one more time. She did what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you that this has been settled and it will accomplish what it's intended to do. We welcome it to come and to transform our lives. May we be malleable and moldable today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. In the last moments of life, if you knew that your life was cycling down, how would you spend your days? If you knew that you were about to enter into eternity, how would you live? Would you go skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, huh? It's an important question. How would you live? The reality is all of our lives are cycling down. And if Dusty can, Pastor Dusty can quote Taylor Swift, I believe that's Tim McGraw, right? We can quote that. So I just up him. The reality is all of our lives are cycling down. We are a mist, a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow is what the scripture says. And when people live with the end in mind, their living is much more intentional. Their actions, conversations, their lifestyle. It's all very intentional. We do and we spend time with those and what we value the most at that point that when we understand there's a clock that is ticking. And this is why I love looking at Jesus, how he spends the remainder of his days as he knows it's just a few days before his death. He spent time with and he did what he valued the most and where was Jesus. Mark 14.1 says, in the house of Simon the leper. Watch this. You see, Mark 14.1 says people are going by stealth, trying to set up a plan to kill him. But Jesus, he is still staying, living on mission. Like if people are out there trying to kill me, the natural tendency is for me to duck, run, and hide, right? Not to stay out in the open and keep doing what I've been doing, that they want to just continue to to kill me. But not Jesus. He stays on mission. See, the enemy will always want to take out those who are living on mission. It's what the enemy does. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life. There will always be people who are wanting to kill those who are doing the Lord's work. And they'll try to appear innocent while doing it, right? They'll try to appear innocent, but here's the test. Do they have fruit in their lives? Remember what Evangelist Kulianos said, trust the one with the fruit. See, when people are talking, are their words destructive or constructive Are they destroying or life-giving? If they are negative or destructive, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which means their words are coming from the devil himself. But if they are life-giving, if they came that you can have life, then we know that they are from the Father. See, the religious were going by stealth to assassinate Jesus because character assassination always happens by stealth. There are a lot of people who like to spread gossip. negativity. And they always do it in covert settings. Never overt, but covert settings. It appears righteous, it appears pious, it appears godly, but it ain't. Jealousy and gossip, they love deep dark alleys where no one's around and a situation can be so easily Manipulated because no one is there to to come to the defense. I love what Proverbs says. Uh, The first speech in an argument is always convincing until the other one begins to talk, right? There's always, I love what Pastor says, there's always three sides to every story his side, her side, and the truth. Amen? See, character assassination always happens by stealth, and there are people that love to talk about people, wolves who love to malign and be negative, but they never address those. People, Let me teach you why the enemy works this way. Because God does not work this way. Proverbs 3.12 and Hebrews 12.6 says, The Lord loves those whom he corrects. The Lord loves those whom he corrects. We correct those we love. But those to whom we hate or are indifferent towards, only gossip and maligning will do. Correction is not talking about people. Correction is not talking about the Lord's church. Correction is talking to the individual. That's what Jesus said, if you have ought, go to that individual and confront them one on one. But the religious leaders, they weren't doing that. They were working in secret, going behind the, behind the back of all of the, the people and they were doing it at night. Why, because they had an ulterior motive to destroy Jesus. But notice, regardless of whatever they're doing, This does not distract Jesus from the last days of his life. He stays focused and on mission. Why? Where is he? He's at Simon's house, an unlikely place. Everyone say that, an unlikely place. Say it one more time, an unlikely place. See, Simon is known as Simon the leper, and people In Jesus' day, they didn't just recover from leprosy, leprosy. It was terminal. Leprosy was taboo. It was incurable. And you had to be healed, and it was very contagious. And so if infected, leprosy would jeopardize the rest of your life. So you would never position yourself around people who had this issue. See, people had the legal right to stone a leper to death if they came into their vicinity without announcing it. Because leprosy was that contagious that it would ruin someone else's physical life. But not Jesus. See, he's not just having a talk with Simon the leper. Jesus isn't just going door to door, witnessing. He's in the house of Simon the leper having dinner with Simon the leper. For a rabbi to go into an unclean person's house would be absolutely preposterous. But this, notice this, it did not stop Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was in an unlikely place among unlikely people. See, sometimes for us to actually be effective in ministry, it demands we go into unlikely places and that we live and sit among some unlikely people. We exist to help people encounter Jesus. And if all we do is surround ourselves with other Christians and other believers, we will never encounter those to whom Jesus came for. <clears throat> that means we've got to go to some unlikely places and sit, recline at the tables of some unlikely people. How many people are here today because somebody went to an unlikely place and sat among you as an unlikely person that God, he found you or you found God or God found you in an unlikely place. He sent a believer that wasn't scared of the dark, that they were willing to bring light into the midst of the darkness. I mean, if God found you in an unlikely place, if he sent somebody, it's time that we stand up and give God some praise for him going into these places of life. He's not afraid of our dirt. He's not afraid of our hurt. He's not afraid of our pain. He's willing to go in the midst of the unlikely places Amen. among unlikely people. And look at Jesus' posture. He wasn't there just for a quick visit. What was he doing? He was reclining at the table. What does that mean? Jesus is getting down at their level. The next point is called the leper's level. How many of you have ever been a leper in life, and Jesus just came alongside and decided to get down at your level? You see, when everybody else had forsook you and abandoned you in life, Jesus, he came to the leper, and he got down at his level. Yes, it was a low level. Yes, it was a place of outcast. Yes, it was a place where everybody else might turn a cold shoulder, but not Jesus. He was willing to get to the leper's level and recline at our table. You see, our table, it's typical. Set with our spread, it's typically set with the way we like things—the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Jesus, in spite of this, he gets at the leper's level, even when everyone else had rejected and turned their back. Jesus, he still has a tendency to get on our level. You see, when the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, she was brought, she was thrown down into the dirt in front of Jesus. What does the scripture say? He stooped down and he got at her level. Why? Because Jesus, that's why he does. It rescues us at the place that we are, not a future better version of who we can be. (laughs) Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, while we are still in our sin, while we are in the midst of our brokenness, when we still have the, the smell of sin and the stench and the stain of sin on our life, it's at that point at that point that God still fully loves us and fully gave himself for us. You have the savior of all the world reclining at this leper's table. This is grace. Grace gets in our mess and grace, it engages us at the level we are on. See, the beauty of Christianity is not us working up a mountain to get to God. It's that the Savior at the top of that mountain, he comes off that mountain and comes to our level and embraces us where we are. (laughs) Grace gets at our level. Jesus, as he's at the leper's level, he's reclining there. He's there in the moment, not looking for the next moment, but engaging the people he was among. Not scrolling through the feed, right? Right? Not sitting here looking for the next thing, looking for the next viral thing. He's not scrolling through the feed. He's not overlooking the crowd, looking for that VIP to come in to the room. He's not checked out, but he is present. And if we're going to be effective in the ministry and the calling that God calls us to, then we've gotta be present in the places he puts us in. Even if it's an unlikely place among unlikely people like the DMV. Because those people need Jesus in there. So shine a light. <laughs> shine a light. Whatever unlikely place. Whatever unlikely people. And if you work for the DMV, I love you. Let me know how I can get a fast pass. If Disney took over the DMV, mm, that's a good thought. There would be fast passes for days. But Jesus was present. Jesus was present. We all know what it feels like to be looked past or to, to be looked over, but our posture among the people, along, among the lost is so important because we at Evangel, we exist to help people encounter Jesus, which means we have to get, we've got to get at their level. And watch what happens when Jesus engages people at their level. See, it was when Jesus, he stooped down to another's person's level that he is anointed to go to the next level. We're gonna get there in a moment, but it was when Jesus got down to the leper's level that there was a shift that was about to occur. When Jesus got into the bottom of the boat, The winds and the waves, they got ready to bow to the Savior of all creation. When Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet, he showed the world what true greatness was. And when Jesus was buried down deep in a tomb that nobody thought he would come out of three days later, he showed the world where the Spirit of God rests in his body physically. A shift was getting ready to take place, and sir, you might have been knocked down. Sir, everybody might think you're out for the count. Ma'am, life might have gone a terrible, terrible turn for you when something happened in your marriage. Listen, it doesn't matter how far down you might have gone. It doesn't matter how deep you may be. It doesn't matter how much sin you might be into. This psalmist says there's no height that he can't go to. If I go to the bottoms of the ocean, even there, his presence will find me, and he will be with me. We cannot run, we cannot hide from the presence of Almighty God. And he will engage us. See, God anoints us to go up when we go down. God anoints us. I think Pastor Dusty said this last week, when to go forward when we seemingly go backwards. God anoints Jesus for the ultimate act of salvation in an unlikely place among unlikely people because as Jesus Is there reclining at the table a woman comes in and hijacks the narrative women are good at hijacking narratives amen Amen. i mean how many of you had your narrative of your life hijacked when a woman like this walked in smelling sweet pretty and fine bearing some precious ointment she walks into this room and we don't hear about simon the leper anymore It's all about the woman at this point. And so a woman comes in with super expensive perfume and she breaks open her vase and pours it on Jesus. The first thing I want to point out is that a woman came. See, women didn't usually approach men in Jewish culture, especially a rabbi. In Jewish culture, a woman is not even allowed to shake the hand of a rabbi. And if you have been to Israel with us, you would have noticed this as we've engaged in a a different cultural context, that women cannot shake the hands of the, 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 the rabbi. And so there is a huge gap. Because of their tradition. It's not a part of the scripture. It's based upon tradition. But this woman, she came to an unlikely place among unlikely people. And she broke tradition because her desire for proximity to Jesus was greater than her desire to uphold tradition. Her desire to be in Jesus' presence was greater than her desire to uphold all of the tradition that society had set out. She had a desire to be at the feet of Jesus. And nothing was going to keep her from getting to that place. She wanted to be with Jesus. She wanted to offer all that she had to Jesus. And tradition wasn't going to stop her from getting there. What tradition? Sacred thing. Do we hold on to that keeps us from being in the proximity of Jesus? Keeps us from encountering Jesus. See, tradition just doesn't have to be grandma's ideal, right? Tradition can be an agenda item of something I structure into my schedule every day that is so much more important than me spending time at Jesus' feet. Tradition is a sacred thing, right? Tradition is something that is sacred. No, 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 I can't let go of that. That's our tradition. That's how we do that. But this woman, she wasn't gonna let, allow tradition to keep her from proximity. Maybe it's not an agenda item, something that's not in the calendar. Maybe it's something that's sacred to you like unforgiveness. I can't let go of that hurt. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's Pain that is so sacred to us that it is an inhibitor that keeps us from getting into the proximity, into the presence of Jesus. Because we magnify that so much more than we magnify our desire to be at his feet. Tradition, sacred things can keep us from being in proximity to Jesus, but not this woman. She came with an alabaster flask of Pure nard, alabaster jar, it's basically a stone in this region of the world that was made into a container to hold valuable contents, in this case, pure nard. Pure nard is a costly aromatic oil from an herb native to India. And because of the complaint of those that were present, most likely the disciples and the religious leaders, we know that this is worth more than one year's wages. It was valuable enough, it was valuable enough, I want you to listen to this, that everyone present knew exactly what it was. I want you to think about that. It was valuable enough that when she presented it, everyone knew what it was. That, that right there, it ain't that fake Rolex, that's that real Rolex, Right? It's not the fake Yeezys. That's the real Yeezys that cost half a G. I mean, come on. Everybody knew exactly what this woman was presenting to the Lord. And Mark, the, 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 the writer of this passage, he even says, with two commas, it's very costly. Mark even points out that it's very costly. And what does this woman do? She breaks it to lavish it on Jesus now, I don't think you're tracking with me right now. She takes this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and ointment and oil, this aromatic thing that is, that is ornate. It's imported from Italy. It costs a great deal. And she breaks this flask open and anoints Jesus with it. Our sacrifice to Jesus just might look like a breakdown to other people. Did you just see what that person did? They lost their mind. I can't believe they just gave what they gave. I can't believe they sacrificed the career they just sacrificed. I can't believe the choices that they just made, right? This woman, people start talking automatically. Why? Because our sacrifice to Jesus might look like a mental breakdown to other people who are looking in from the outside in. Nope, it's just unlikely people in an unlikely pe in an unlikely place with their savior. See, in 2010, I'll share a little bit of my testimony. I walked away from a career in public accounting and my boss, he didn't understand it. My boss didn't understand it. HR, they didn't understand it. They kept calling over and over and it was a sacrifice of a solid career with a great future cash flow, right, public accounting. And so it seemed like I was having a mental breakdown. HR called wondering, what is going on? Where's your paperwork to continue moving forward? My, my boss at the time, he called me while I was in Peru on a mission trip, Wanted to know if I had received all of the paperwork to continue the process and, and moving forward. And when he couldn't get a hold of me, my brother, he worked for the same company at the time, so he started calling my brother. And my brother's like, leave me out of it. I don't know what's going on with him. And and so my brother, he said, he'll call you when he gets, my brother calls me and says, you got to call him back when you get from, get back from Peru. I told him that you're there. And so call him when you get back. So I, 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 I get ready to get back from Peru. And when I do, some of my peers are asking what's going on. And I tell them and they say, well, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But you know, if that whole ministry thing that doesn't work out, you know, you got a good career in accounting to fall back on, right? You got a good plan B. But my mind wasn't there because I thought to myself when I break open my flask, there's no going back. You can't you can't turn back once you break that flask open. There is no plan B. I'm in. I'm all in because I broke my flask. Jesus, he demanded my flask. It's easy to talk about generosity and sacrifice, but difficult to live it out, and it wasn't an easy decision to make we had just done all of our corporate reviews and globally we had about 140,000 people that worked for this company that I was in and I had just ranked in the top eight percent of people at my level within this company and so it was a difficult decision and the future looked bright but when Jesus demands our flask we can do no less than what he requires from us to give We can do no less. This woman, Jesus, demanded her flask. What do you have? What do you have with you? What do you have in your life that is costly that you can give to the Lord? You see, when this woman came to Jesus, she didn't come empty-handed. She didn't come without a gift. She didn't come without offering something so costly to her life, potentially even her life, because she approached a male rabbi. She was offering her all, what is in your hand, your possession, your life that you can surrender. See, I was, as this passage said, doing what I could. Jesus said, She did what she could. She has done what she could. She has done. You're not required to do what they do. You're not required to do what they could possibly do. You're not required to do what your mom and your daddy did. You're required to do what you can do. For that is enough for the Lord. That is all Jesus is asking. And everyone might not understand it, and that's okay. It doesn't matter what the world may say because there were some that were there That were religious, the disciples, and and the ones who spoke in generalities, who said ignorantly to themselves. See, there will always be a group of people fussing and complaining about the sacrifice and generosity of others. Why? Because it convicts them of the lack of their own. It convicts them of the lack of their own. It doesn't matter what the world might say. Because Jesus said, leave her. Alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful. She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. See, Jesus rose her. Her defense. There's nothing better than having the Lord of all creation rise to our defense. You can always be sure that Jesus will silence the critics of those who surrender themselves to the Lord. He will always silence the critics of those who surrender, who fully surrender, who fully give themselves to the Lord. We just have to trust him. Verse 8 says, she has done what she did Doing what we can today may seem tough because we are in, as everybody says, unprecedented times and it's been a season that's been a trying season for us all, not a season that we enjoy, not a season that we would ever say, can we have it back? It's been trying, it's been stressful, but God deemed it to be a season and a necessary one at that. And this is what faith is. Doing what we can. Giving of ourselves sacrificially, like this woman did. And Jesus recognized it. And that's all He asked. That's all He asked to do what you can. The worship team would come to the stage and everyone would stand. See, faith is doing what we know and trusting God to fill in the gaps. Faith is. Doing what we know and trusting God to fill in the gaps. And I know there are big gaps at time because there are big gaps in my life at times when I do. And I'm like, God, there's still a huge space here that you've got to fill in. I've done everything I could do. I've done everything I could do. And there's a huge gap. But that's faith. Do what you can and trust the rest to God. About a month ago, I was with my brother and his family and sister and her family and Judah. We were up camping in the mountains and I was doing my devotions early in the morning and we were tent camping. No no running water, no electricity, tent camping, that kind of stuff. Um, And I was in a hammock just reading my Bible in the morning and I was reading through this passage. And it hit me. Because in a season where it feels like there's a, billion demands everywhere you go feels like there's a billion demands that phone call coming in that text message that email and this thing that thing and family and over and over work and career and all the different demands that come to us on a daily basis i read that part and jesus said she did what she could. There was the negative people at the very beginning trying to annihilate Jesus and get him off his course. There was the leper who was the outcast, but Jesus engaged him at his level. There was the woman with an alabaster box just coming, doing what she could. And it was at that point of doing what she could that she anointed the Savior of the world. Her action, her doing what she could, anointed Jesus for his burial. What does that mean? Redemption flowed through her doing what she could. We might not think it to be much in the grand scheme of things. We might think it to be personal sacrifice, but we may never know the global and the eternal repercussions that our doing what we can might have. We might never know, but the point is to do what you can, even if it doesn't look like much to do what you can. This passage has so many facets to it. I don't know which part speaks to your life. It's your clock ticking. And you need to stay on mission. Dedicating, surrendering your life to the Lord. Regardless of what else is going on. Like Jesus, stay focused on the task that is at hand. To do the work of Him who sent you. Were you the religious in this room today? had a critical bent in your spirit. Some negative things have happened, some bitterness, some jealousy, some wrongs, or maybe even perceived wrongs, have set into your life, and you've begun to go by stealth, putting people off, living a life that you shouldn't be living. Maybe you're Simon, you've been rejected. To turn their back on you know today that you've got a savior that's willing to get at your level it's not afraid of the mess that you're in or are you the woman standing at the edge of your destiny everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed first things first if you need to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus is here for you today if you're watching online He's here here waiting to receive you in and he will get at the leper's level. He will go to whatever level it takes to redeem you out of whatever situation you might be in. And so if you need to surrender your life to the Lord, maybe you're a backslider and you want to come home to the Lord, it's been a long time. You need to give your life to Jesus today. I want you to just slip up your hand and we want to pray with you and pray for you. God is here. So come on, if if you want to surrender your life to the Lord, you want to rededicate to to, to surrender, to give yourself to him. Just slip up your hands wherever you might be. If you're online or here in this room, amen, amen, amen. I want us all to pray this prayer together this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for I've missed the mark. Forgive me of all of my wrongs of all of my sins and wash me and cleanse me. Help me to live for you. Come into my life today. Surrender to you, Jesus. your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today. the first time or for the first time in a long time, there's a number that's coming up on the screen behind me. I want you to just text that number and we want to learn who you are, learn your story and how we can help come around you and help give you resources that will help start you or restart you on this walk with the Lord and and just be there for you. That's all we want to do. That's what family does is we're here for you and here with you. So just text this number on the screen today. Hey, maybe you're one of these other people in this story and you need to just surrender some things to the Lord today. I don't know what it is, whether it's your calling or whether it's negativity, whatever it may be. I'm gonna give us a moment. I want you to just to give yourself to him right now. And I want you to find and build a personal altar in a moment. I'm gonna ask for everybody that is sick. We're gonna pray over you and believe for healing in the prayer of faith. And we'll read the the blessing in just a moment. But I want everyone in this room, I want you to just make an altar and begin to surrender a fresh and to surrender newly to him. Repent of negativity. Repent of whatever it might be in your life that is not pleasing, of traditions, of sacred things, or surrender to him and make that commitment. Get ready to launch into what God is calling you to, but find a place and let's begin to pray this morning. Jesus, Jesus.